0: and welcome to Long Takes, a podcast in which we discuss controversial issues in film and television. I'm Britt Hayes, Associate Editor at Screen Crush, coming to you from Austin, Texas.
1: And I'm Erin Whitney, Senior Editor at Screen Crush, coming at you from New York City. Today,
0: our guest is Angie Hahn from SlashFilm. Hi, Angie. Hi. So we're going to go ahead and talk about primarily Kathleen Kennedy's comments about female directors in Star Wars. Uh, She recently made some comments about why they haven't hired a female director just yet, because they haven't really found anyone who's ready. And Aaron recently attended a junket for Rogue One where they had a chance to ask Kathleen Kennedy about these comments. And Aaron, why don't you tell us what Kathleen Kennedy said?
1: All right. Well, just to give some background, what she said before I talked to her, she talked to Variety and they asked her about why Star Wars has yet to have a female director. And pretty much in her words, she said that they can't hire a female director who has essentially no experience, meaning a female director who hasn't yet directed a blockbuster, which is sort of a weird double standard because that many male directors have had that opportunity and women haven't. So at this junket, I decided to ask why that was the case. I pretty much asked her why she believes that women who haven't directed blockbusters aren't suitable, whereas men have had that chance. And before I really got to finish my question, she kind of cut me off and immediately said, that's not true. And a chill broke out over the room. And (laughs) everyone kind of like held their breath, myself included. And um, the first thing she did was she, she points to Gareth Edwards and mentions that he's done Godzilla before he did Rogue One. Therefore, he, you know skips this rule, Um, but what she didn't really understand about my question was not that why Star Wars has to be the first blockbuster, but just in general, that this has been, you know, so many male directors have have had this opportunity, from Colin Trevorrow to Josh Trank to John Watts, who's doing Spider-Man Homecoming, we we have a whole list, there's there's tons of them, but essentially, um, yeah, she kind of gave us uh, an answer that wasn't really an answer, and said, quote, If somebody actually moves through the process of making movies and wants to make a Star Wars movie, then of course we will consider a woman. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that answer?
0: You should see my cringe face right now.
1: (laughs) Um, Angie wrote a really great article about it. So
0: Angie, what do you think?
2: Um, I mean, I feel like her clarification that she gave to Aaron is kind of just like it sounds like it's. It sounds like she, had, she didn't really say anything new. She just kind of expanded on the idea that she had already presented. And I am somewhat sympathetic to Star Wars. Like, I understand that this is a big franchise, and they don't just want to pluck someone out of nowhere. Because it is true that whenever a big franchise hands the keys to a relatively inexperienced director, they're taking a gamble. And, you know, when you've got something huge like Star Wars on the line, like, I I am sympathetic to them being a little iffy about it especially because we all remember how their whole thing with Josh Trank turned out he was like the least experienced director they ever tried to hire and that just crashed and burned so hard um but at the same time I feel it's it's so frustrating because then it just sets up this catch-22 where a woman like women women directors don't get hired for movies like Star Wars so then they then don't have the experience to get hired for movies like Star Wars um and I I I kind of understand where Kathleen Kennedy is coming from, but I feel like there's gotta be something, like, you know, she's been talking on on and on about how she wants to hire female directors. She's like very proud, rightfully so, of the fact that, you know, so many of the Lucasfilm exec team and like the story group and stuff are female. Um, but so I'd like to see, you know, so I feel like if Lucasfilm is going to really present itself as a champion for diversity and for women and stuff like that, then I'd like to see them do something other than kind of just throw their hands up and say like, well, there just aren't any and there's nothing we can do about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, to- I mean, like, like you, you know, I totally get where she's coming from. And also, I think, I can't imagine being in that position where it's like, okay, if I hire, if I'm Kathleen Kennedy, I hire a female director who doesn't have experience with a major blockbuster or whatever. I mean, like, whoever it is, let's just say she hires a female director. And that Star Wars movie does not turn out so great, or doesn't meet their expectations to a certain degree, then who's blamed for it? the director, not Kathleen Kennedy. And I think that in her mind, maybe she's being sort of protective. Like if I'm, if, and when I'm going to hire a female director, I'm going to make sure that this person has everything they need to make the best star Wars movie. So there's no backlash. Like, I mean, I think it's just that she doesn't want to be responsible for a female director being blacklisted, basically like, Oh, you messed up the star Wars movie and you're never going to get hired for anything major ever again. Like I just, I don't know. At the same time, though, I mean, her comments do reinforce that double standard of like, well, if you're not going to hire a woman to direct a blockbuster movie because she doesn't have enough experience, then when is she ever going to get that experience? Like, you have to open those doors. And her comments are particularly troubling given the fact that uh, The Hollywood Reporter published an article today about how over 50% of the executives at Lucasfilm are women.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Lucasfilm talks so much about how th- they're pushing so much diversity. And, and if you look at the casting, of course, you see it there with female leads and so many people of color in, in bigger roles, especially in Rogue One. And even like her comments, Kathleen Kennedy's comments in that piece that was published today that you're talking about, Brit, um, she kind of says, I think I wrote down her quote. She says, yeah, it literally comes down to companies that just aren't trying hard enough. And it's like, well, are you, are you trying hard enough? Because you're trying hard enough with the casting, but you're not talking about, you know, why you're actually not hiring a director. Like what you said, Brit, you say that so much, so elegantly. Like, why can't Kathleen Kennedy say that? And why do we have to come up with these sort of excuses for her? That's just how I feel. It's like she, she had the chance to talk about it with Variety. And then she had a second chance when I asked her. And she all she said was that her quotes were taken out of context, yet she reiterated the same thing. So it's just I I want to hear from her why she wants to be protective of women if she does and why she wants to make sure these women are prepared with the right amount of experience. But when she gives us, you know, like these little sound bites that are so ambiguous, then, of course, we're going to, you know, criticize her for it.
0: She also noted that women are always in story meetings. And it's like, well, why aren't they writing the scripts? If these women are in charge of the stories, why aren't they... (laughs) getting screenwriting credits? Why aren't they directing the stories?
1: Yeah, completely. I agree. I mean, it's like you have Kathleen Kennedy and Kiri Hart, who are, it's amazing that they're working behind the scenes, but like, why is it taking this this long? I don't, I, I just, I don't understand why it, it's taking so long to actually find a suitable female director. Like when I asked her at the, uh, at the press conference, I asked her to name if she thought any women had potential. And, you know, she gave me a roundabout, like, there are many okay well (laughs) give us a name I mean I understand that you wouldn't want to like say a name and then that person gets thrown under the bus and then you know there's there's rumors that just go around about them but I mean I I expect more from them at least
0: well and Marvel had no qualms about saying that they had reached out to Ava DuVernay about doing Black Panther
1: right
2: yeah but Marvel still isn't getting their first female director until Captain Marvel which I think is like their 21st film and it's uh you know and that's not to stray too far off topic, but that's also a film that where it made sense to hire a female director because it's about their first female lead. Um, so I do, I do, I I feel like I have seen that a lot of times when it's a specifically female-oriented property, they will make. You know, studios and execs will make an extra effort to hire women. Like, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was directed by a woman. Twilight is directed by a woman, the first one. You know, and there's Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, etc. But the thing is that Star Wars is trying to appeal to everyone. So I guess they, I guess the safe thing to always fall back on is just, let's hire uh, another guy. Because then... You know, it doesn't become... When you hire a guy, it doesn't become a thing. It's just, we hired a director that we thought was great. And everyone thinks it's, you know, everyone's like, cool. But then when you hire a female director, it becomes a thing where it's just, you know, there's there's going to be... Like, she's going to be under extra scrutiny, as Britt pointed out. Like, there's going to be some... There's going to be some assholes who are kind of cranky about the whole thing like and act like it's a diversity hire. And I, I feel like I sound really pessimistic, but I feel like you see that a lot in, not, not in Star Wars so much, because they haven't really run into that yet, as we discussed, but in other franchises and other projects.
1: Well, something you said, Angie, um, how Captain Marvel is the first film for Marvel where it makes sense for them to hire a female director. I totally know what you mean, but I kind of want to like unpack what that means, because like, like what does it mean to a studio that it, that it makes sense to hire a woman just because it's like a female driven story. I just feel like there's this, I mean, there is this conception with executives that women should only direct stories about women, but like, why can't, and I'm not directing this question at you, Angie. I'm just like saying in general, like, why can't, you know, a woman direct a Batman movie? Why can't a woman direct a every other male superhero movie. It's just this idea that, like, female directors only come up when it's a female-driven story, which is important, but how do we push it past so so people aren't just assuming that?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, no, just just to make it very clear, I completely agree that I would love to see female directors take on all sorts of roles and not just female-oriented ones. But I feel like it's that the conversation about who's going to be directing it kind of becomes more intense when it is a lead who is not a white man. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if they had tried to give a uh, Black Panther to some white guy. like. I feel right. like with I feel like whenever it's anyone, I feel like white men are just kind of assumed to be the default, the safe choice, like the one where nobody's really gonna raise their eyebrow or think twice about it. But then, you know, so that and those are the people that usually get hired. but then there are certain projects where they know that it's gonna be it's gonna look better for them if they hire uh, someone who is you know female or non-white or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: I had this argument recently with a friend at dinner, which was and this subject came up and he was saying, uh, my white male friend, who is very well-meaning um, and is always trying to be as, like, feminist and helpful as possible. <laughs> but he just didn't understand the same thing. He was just like, you know, well, why can't a, a woman direct Black Panther? Why can't a black guy direct a Batman movie? And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's the ideal world. The ideal world that we get to is that, like, it doesn't matter who's directing what. Like, women will direct action movies. Men will direct you know, stories about periods. I don't know. Like, I mean, everyone will just direct, like, whatever, regardless of, like, race or gender. But the problem is, is that we haven't gotten to a point where that's possible. So stuff like Black Panther hiring a Black director or Captain Marvel having a female director or um, getting a woman to direct a Star Wars movie, since so many of them now appear to be about women, those things become important because they're just these major opportunities to not just, like, have someone direct these things, but to sort of make a statement. So it's like, okay, well by hiring a black person to home a Black Panther movie, then you're giving them that opportunity. And it's so it's just a, a baby step, I guess I'm trying to say, towards normalizing. Mm-hmm. To where we get to a point where we can say, like, okay, well, it doesn't matter who directs what, because, like, everyone has equal opportunity. But until we have equal opportunity, when you have a Mulan movie come up or something, we're going to push for an Asian director for that. Because it's, like, how many Asian directors do we have helming blockbusters whose names aren't, like, Ang Lee? Like, we have to, it needs to be not just the exception. Like, it just needs to be the rule. And so until we get to that point, like, we're never going to be able to just say, like, you know, here's a list of women that we'd love to see direct a Batman movie.
1: But that is
2: one thing I find, I don't know if encouraging is the right word, but kind of interesting about this, all this talk about Star Wars hiring a female director is that, uh, you know, the re- like as you pointed out, the reason it comes up with certain projects is that it, focuses on a character who's not the default white guy, so then people start to wonder, can we get someone other than the default white guy to direct this? Um, but Star Wars is kind of like, I know there are two leads have been women so far, but it is kind of a property that I don't think people think of as particularly gendered, like it's I don't think anyone really describes Star Wars as a female-driven di- franchise, despite the fact that Rey and Jin are both women. So I think it's, you know, so I do think it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation about this, because it's not like when they were looking for directors for, say, Spider-Man Homecoming, any one was like oh well why why don't we have a female director do spider-man homecoming or why don't we have a black director do spider-man homecoming i don't think the question really came up at all
0: yeah i mean until you give until you give a more diverse group of people these opportunities their names aren't going to be part of the normal conversation they aren't going to be part of your short list of directors you're just going to be looking at the white guys so until you give more women and people of color opportunities they're just never going to be like oh you know that woman who directed that spider-man movie we should get her Right. Right.
2: <laughs> well, what would you guys like to see? Like, I mean, like, what do you guys think that Lucasfilm should be doing instead of just kind of like sitting and waiting for someone else to take a chance on a female director? Like, what, I don't know. I, I don't really have a good answer for this myself, but I'm just kind of thinking, like, what would be a way that they could be a little bit more active about it?
0: I mean, Angie brought up a point earlier that none of the TV, none of the Star Wars TV shows have been directed by women either. And I think it's like maybe they need to start some sort of program, some sort of initiative. Like, you know, give them all short films or episodes of TV stuff and see how they do. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just I saw recently and I wish I could find it. Maybe I can look it up. But there was a studio that did like an initiative for maybe it was Warner Brothers. Now I'm typing it up and looking it up. Um,
1: I know that Lucasfilm does have some sort of initiative for like young females in tech. I think is what, I think that, that story that came out today said that, um, and it's look like, it's up. like an internship program. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me look it up. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Warner Brothers this year's emerging film directors workshop picked a very diverse group, like five directors, and they're each given a budget, um, of a hundred thousand dollars to go off and make a short film. They have to work through the whole film production process from pitch to final cut to the premiere, And then they'll have like a film festival. The participants will premiere their short films and they'll be exposed to tons of industry professionals and they'll have chances to go off and make other movies. I mean, and it was, I think, let's see, one, two, three, four women, one of whom is Asian and only one man.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah. And that's like Warner Brothers. And it's weird because as far as blockbusters goes, especially like superhero stuff, Warner Brothers doesn't have a great track record right now. But as far as diversity goes, like they're doing much better than their competitors.
1: What's true. Yeah. We talked about that in our last episode. How like Suicide Squad is more diverse than most Marvel movies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. And it's also weird to me that like something like The Force Awakens which has such a diverse and I think we also talked about this had such a diverse cast and also diverse supporting cast even like the background extras were like made up of women and people of color because it's a galaxy far, far away and it's like this culturally diverse place and For some reason, though, you just can't get a woman behind the scenes to make one of these damn things. Like, what is your problem? Like, it frustrates me to no end. And if she wants to talk about experience, there are plenty of female directors with big budget experience who could and probably would like to. I don't know if she would ask. And I can't, I mean, at the same time, I can't assume who she has and hasn't asked, but I can name, like... Karen Kusama. You could ask Catherine Bigelow. I don't think she'd want to do a Star Wars, but, like, why not?
2: Um, you could ask Ava DuVernay, who is yes. already doing a $100 million blockbuster
1: for Disney. Like, so right. at the same yeah. company. Completely.
2: Yeah. Uh, Catherine Hardwick.
0: Ask um, Emily. Pierce. I made a list of like, 20
1: people. Because <laughs> I was like, I just started to make a list today. Because, obviously, there's so many. But I was like, I want to, like, actually look at these names. And I made a list of, like, like, 25 people. Um, and then there's so many lists online. I mean, you could like Vulture made that list, I think that was last year, of, of 100 female directors Hollywood should hire. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just like there's no There's also excuse. the Alice Initiative, which was recently launched, which is like the blacklist for female filmmakers, which has a whole list in one place. It's a bunch of like anonymous studio executives who get together and come up with a list of all of these female directors who have feature experience, independent or not. Um, it's usually like emerging filmmakers um and then directors with like non-feature work i don't know why they have amy simon listed under non-feature because she has a feature but um
1: yeah i mean just like star wars film from her by the way (laughs) that would be awesome yeah
0: um they have just like names like andrea arnold who's somebody who's already established Dee reese julian Robespierre, uh jennifer kent who was somebody who that they were looking at for captain marvel and i think that that would have been an incredible choice um i
2: think that she turned it down and this is an argument an annoying argument i hear a lot where a lot of people will be like well you know we asked one and she said no or like oh how do you know they one. haven't been approached <laughs> and you know how do you or like you know oh maybe they don't really want to do it but it's just like just because they turned down one doesn't mean they don't want to do another like i remember ava duvernay turned down black panther and everyone's like oh she doesn't want to do that kind of movie and then like shortly afterward disney was like she's directing our 100 million dollar blockbuster a wrinkle in time so it's like you know just because just because it's someone who might want to direct that kind of project doesn't mean every project is right for them.
0: Right. Right, yeah, and, and Ava DuVernay herself explained why she didn't take Black Panther and it makes Which sense. Made sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that she doesn't want to make a big movie, it's just that she wants to make the big movie that she wants to make. And I just think that there's just like there's so many names and and that's the big argument I hear too a lot from men especially on Twitter. The response I get the most often is how do you know they haven't asked how do you know that they didn't talk to so-and-so and so-and-so? Well, why don't you, like, I didn't see you come up with a list of names. It's like, I don't know. I didn't know it was my job to do their job for them. Like, all I, like right. all it takes is a quick Google or open up a Wikipedia page. It doesn't take much effort to find a list of female directors, and you can just go, like, tick off the list and go ask them some questions. And, you know, why am I doing their job?
2: Right. It's really frustrating. I also uh, wonder if maybe not as many female directors and this is just me kind of speculating i wonder if the fact that not that many female directors get hired for these kinds of movies stops some of them from really pursuing them in the first place and this is just you know i want to be clear that i'm not saying this is not me going on record being like well women don't even try for these kinds of projects i'm not saying that at all but i just kind of imagine like if i'm in the position of like you know a director trying to make her next project and i'm like they never hire people like me to make those kinds of movies like you know, I wonder if that is discouraging to a lot of people. That makes I sense. have
0: a friend who's a an independent filmmaker in L.A. and she, her name's Roxanne Benjamin, and she has a segment that she directed in the upcoming uh, female horror film XX. Um, and uh, she did a, a segment in Southbound, which came out earlier this year, I think. And um, she had this really great Facebook post the other day. About her frustrations as a female filmmaker and how even when she goes to pitch a modestly budgeted or small budget indie film, she gets a lot of responses from people that are like, oh, that's too much money. Why don't you try to do like a $5 million concept? And like she'll go off and like she'll write like smaller concepts and smaller concepts. And she keeps getting asked to like take a hit in her pay. And basically she makes no money to make anything, because everyone just keeps coming at her saying like, oh, you don't have enough experience yet. Oh, you don't have enough this. Like, oh, you need to make something smaller. And it's like, how many times do I have to make something small before you let me do something big? Like, how many times? And I I wonder how many other filmmakers in the independent world who are women are encountering that problem, which is sort of along the lines of what Angie's saying. Like, how many times are they trying (laughs) to make bigger things only to be told like, oh, you don't have enough experience yet?
2: Imagine being in a position like your friend who's a filmmaker, where they keep telling you, you "No, you don't have enough experience, you have to go smaller, you have to go smaller, $5 million is even too much for you. And then imagine that person, like, trying, like, hearing comments like this from Kathleen Kennedy and just being like, well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I've made a bunch of short films I've made a bunch of low budget stuff I've made like I've tried to make mid-budget stuff they won't even let me do that like it's you know I, I feel like I feel like just even if even I don't know if your friend wants to direct a big movie or not but just people like that I feel like even if you wanted to there's this kind of block there where a lot of people have trouble imagining it so then maybe after a while it becomes something that's hard for you to kind of Want to try for too? I don't know, but I wonder if sometimes when I read the Lucasfilm comments, it kind of sounds like they are waiting for someone to call them. I wonder if they are making an active effort to try and find and court female directors, or if they're just kind of because I'm sure their phone is ringing off the hook with directors, you know, especially male directors who want to direct Star Wars. So I wonder if they are going out there and looking, or just kind of waiting.
1: Yeah, I wish they would disclose more, or at least be more specific on like what is it that you actually want from this female director like you want her to direct five indie movies like what what is it that's going to fit your criteria that's going to prove that this person is worthy just as all these other male directors were able to do it I, I just wish they would put it in explicit terms i mean obviously they're not going to but it's like it's just it's just so up in the air to say like no experience like what does no experience mean someone like um lexi alexander directed punisher um was it Punisher Warzone, I think is the mm-hmm. name of the movie. I mean, that's a superhero movie, so like, like there's someone there that has experience dealing with the, the subject matter. It may not be as big of a budget, but it's like, where does the line get drawn on who has experience and who doesn't? And I don't know, it's, I, I really wish that they would be more open about what they're looking for and if they're actually looking for it, like you say, Angie.
2: I mean, I'd also point out that Ryan Johnson, who is directing a Star Wars movie, he has experience, but he doesn't have, like, $100 million blockbuster experience. So it's clearly not that, you know, there's, like, some kind of checkmark when they're passing around these notes trying to decide who's going to direct them of, like, they have to have directed a nine-figure blockbuster-type movie.
0: I did just find, speaking of if Kathleen Kennedy is waiting around for someone to call, that triggered this memory in me that I wrote an article last December about some comments she made to the new york times and she said until i waved the flag at the fortune women's conference recently i had not had one single phone call from a woman telling me that she really really wants to direct a star wars movie they need to be the ones picking up the phone and saying hey let me tell you what star wars means to me and how much i could do with it she's putting the onus on women to come to her and pitch to her star wars ideas and she's also putting the onus on women to go out and somehow magically land a blockbuster that nobody wants to hand them because of their gender while disguising it as you don't have enough experience. It's yeah, just it's you the really the head. frustrating. Like, you can't put it all in on one. Like, you're a woman in charge of a company with over 50% women in executive positions. You have to open the door. Mm-hmm. You are holding the door right now. You have to leave it open.
2: I mean in, in that sense I feel like you know like I feel like it's kind of extra disappointing to see someone like Kathleen Kennedy who is a woman who is very powerful in Hollywood which is all too rare make comments like that but you see comments like this from everyone all the time like whenever people are you know whenever you ask like a director or producer or executive like you know why aren't there more women or people of color directing they always there's always just kind of some excuse there's always like someone else's problem it's really frustrating and i i and I, so so I, I do find it encouraging on the rare occasions when someone actually takes active steps to fix this but it's it's you know i i wish that lucasfilm would be would either make more of an effort or at least share with us how they are trying to make more of an effort.
0: Yeah, because I just don't see it. And it's, it's you know, we, what was it? Just last week, Bad Robot hired a woman to direct one of their upcoming blockbuster sci-fi films. And I know that, like, Bad Robot and Lucasfilm aren't the same, and I it almost feels unfair to talk about Lucasfilm in comparison to other studios, but I don't feel so bad comparing them to, like, Marvel or Disney when they're all under the same umbrella. And it's a problem that we've seen... Especially with them, especially with them hiring these male directors who have very little experience and giving them giant blockbusters. Just on this list that we have, how many of these people have directed something for Disney, Lucasfilm, or Marvel? So we have Colin Trevorrow, Gareth Edwards, Josh Trank almost did, John Watts technically, James Gunn, David Lowery, Taika Waititi. Like... And I love, I mean, I love a lot of these guys I really like and think are very talented. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been given that opportunity. I'm so excited to see a Taika Waititi Thor film. But why is it okay to give that opportunity to men and not to women? And I don't know. She wants to talk about experience. I think that it didn't take someone with a whole lot of experience to direct Jurassic World. I think that you could have hired just about anyone as long as they were competent and it had dinosaurs. Because that was not a film that like Colin Trevorrow made on his own. That was a film that was made by committee.
2: Yeah, like that was all studio notes. I think that you make a. I think that you make an important distinction. It's not that I. It's not that I think any of us are necessarily arguing like nobody should have <laughs> let Taika Waititi direct Thor, or like John yeah. Watts, Spider-Man: Homecoming to really garbage and he didn't direct. He didn't deserve that opportunity. Like I would never say that. You know, some of them are good, some of them are bad, but that's true. Like even when you hire an experienced director, it's that it's it's so upsetting to see time and time again these men kind of you know like they. You, you go to Sundance, you see a film by a woman, you see a film by a man. And then you see kind of how their careers progress, you know? You see, like, that John Watts gets scooped up for Spider-Man Homecoming. What is Marielle Heller doing? I don't know, but it's not I was just about to mention Marielle Mariel Heller. Heller. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man, I would love to see Marielle Heller direct a Star Wars movie. Why can't she do that? I
2: would love to see that. And there's also a lot of women working in TV that I would like to see kind of move into film, like Leslie Linka Glatter or, like, her, Michelle yeah. McLaren. Yeah. Especially um, because,
1: yeah, like, they have experience... If you have experience directing a Westworld episode or a Breaking Bad episode, that's a pretty good experience. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it's not like she's some like, you know, she's not, it's, it's not like uh, Michelle McLaren, to use a very popular example, is like just fresh out of film school and has never directed anything that costs more than a million dollars. Like, she's done a lot of stuff. She's done a lot of great stuff. She's actually, you know, as far as TV directors go, she's really well known. She's really well established. It's it's nuts to me that nobody has ever come to her with an offer that, you know, to be like, here's here's a crap ton of money to direct a giant blockbuster or at least not an opportunity that i guess she's been interested in because i don't you know i know she was approached to do wonder woman and she was going to do it for a while and that fell apart but it's crazy to me that then eight other studios didn't swoop in and say like well why why don't you do something for us
0: i think michelle mclaren actually is directing yeah the nightingale for tristar
1: what is that Um, i will know if it's a big yeah
0: I, I did. I, I mean, I remember writing about it. Now I have to refresh my memory. It's based on a book, a best-selling novel. Two sisters coming of age in France on the eve of World War II and their struggle to survive and resist the German occupation. So apparently, like, it's it's something that involves war. It could be action-centric. I mean, that's something. I think somebody else in TV that could do something great and, well, and who has experience making big movies is Mimi Leader. I mean, she hasn't made a big movie since... I think since like 2009, but she's done the leftovers and she's incredible. And like, she's also made deep impact in the peacemaker and she directed pay it forward, which, you know, whatever, but, uh, (laughs) you know, but she has experience and she could very well direct a really good blockbuster movie. If somebody asked her to.
1: And when you look at TV, I mean, it's obviously doing so much better than film as far mm -hmm. as, you know, diversity on screen, but also off. Um, I wrote down some statistics. If anyone likes numbers, I thought they were pretty interesting. Um, (laughs) So this is from um, an IndieWire article that in 2015, only 9% of women directed the top 250 grossing movies of the year. That's only 20 women, which is not a great number. But compared to TV, um, for the TV year of 2015 to 2016, 12% of women directors... Directed shows on TV, and I think ABC had the most out of any network channel, which is pretty awesome. So you see, like, I mean, it's not it's not great, but like, it's obviously a little bit better. Um, and then even behind the scenes in creative roles, 27% of women worked on TV um, in the 2015-2016 year. So I mean, there's like more happening, and I feel like the conversation around pushing diversity and pushing for females in creative roles and directing roles happens. A little bit more on TV I mean obviously we talk about it with film but I feel like there's just been more of a constant conversation and I've been seeing that change happen it just as far as like I think in season two all of the directors for Jessica Jones are going to be female and I think it was earlier this year was Ryan Murphy was launching a, a program called um, I think it was called half and I think he was going to give half of the directing slots in all of his shows which at this point there are plenty um, to to female directors, and I think to directors of color. So seeing him do something like that, I think, is so awesome, and is something that also, to follow up your question earlier, Angie, is something that Lucasfilm could do. Is is I know they can't make a commitment, you know, like the next five Star Wars movies are all going to be directed by women, but to make some kind of commitment, even if it's starting with Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars, that they're actually going to bring on more women as writers and as directors and that way they have to stick to that commitment and they can't fall back on some excuse
0: I I think at a certain point you know Kathleen Kennedy is going to have to put her money where her mouth is she can't keep saying like Mm -hmm. we're going to hire a woman or like Mm -hmm. we are looking and we're trying to put more more women in tech roles at the company and like VFX roles like no like you just do it I mean as someone with whom she should be very familiar once said do or do not there is no try so (laughs) Yeah, like, why? Why are you not? And I mean, maybe Tina Fey's comments that I was reading earlier this morning about TV being better than movies. I mean, I know what she's saying. But in some ways, TV is better than movies, because it is more diverse. And I don't know what it is about television that makes it a more diverse place, I guess, because it wants people in television want to take more risks. Or I don't know, like, why is it that we're we're seeing way more women? working in tv than we are in film like what is it about film that's so damn special that you can't let a woman direct anything
1: (laughs) maybe it's about like the frequency of i mean i don't know uh, more episodes per season you have more opportunities Mm. versus like this entire blockbuster that's going to take you know a year and a half to actually complete i guess that's the thing i think is that you can take a risk with one episode and then uh, risk like it shouldn't even be a risk but you know what i mean um and then i guess i feel like it's easier to to uh Offer those opportunities when it's TV for some reason.
2: I also feel like, uh, you know, and this isn't really even specific to female directors, but when you, you know, so much of the movie industry now is these really giant movies that have the potential to like float or sink your entire year, like financially. Um, so I wonder, so I feel like they've, in a lot of ways, they seem kind of risk averse. Like it's why we're seeing so many sequels and stuff and not as many original ideas. It's why we don't get a lot of mid-budget stuff anymore. So I, I think that that's probably part of it. You know, I, you know, obviously as Aaron said, it's, it's insane to think that like hiring Colin Trevorrow to do Jurassic World, not to keep crapping on him, but you know, (laughs) as one example, um, isn't a risk, but like hiring, a, a woman director with several features under her belt would be a risk. Like that's already like I agree that's insane, but I feel like when they are kind of going into this mindset of like, oh, we can't afford to ha- take any more risk than absolutely necessary, then it becomes really easy to default to, well, let's just, you know, do it the way we've always done. Let's keep hiring the same kind of people we've always hired. You know, let's keep uh, going back to the same types of people that we always tell stories about it's it's really annoying but I I think that that's I think that TV kind of right now seems like it's taking more risks and and going in more directions in general also I think in TV there's just there's so much of it right now that I think that uh, a lot of shows are kind of trying really hard to make themselves stand out so I think that that also kind of encourages people to try different things
1: I guess we also don't know. I mean, Netflix and Amazon—they they don't re- reveal their numbers, so we don't really know what kind of risk they are taking. Whereas, obviously, films have the box office returns. So I feel like there's probably some difference there, as maybe why they're more willing to take the chance.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I am gonna say that I am okay. I'm okay crapping on Colin Trevorrow, because last fall he made comments about why women aren't directing blockbusters, and mm. his explanation was, they don't want to.
1: Yep, I remember that. We covered that at Slash yeah. Film too. And didn't, um, uh, who called him out? Jamie King called him out on Twitter? Oh, did she? I think so. She did. He actually, I
2: remember, because I, I wrote up those comments for Slash Film and I remember he actually responded to us about, I don't actually remember the specifics right now, so I'd have to find them, but... He wrote a really long response about it, and I think. Oh he, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. I guess he. I mean, he, his explanation was just this kind of very like, oh, you know, well, women don't want to. Like, top female directors have better things to do, which is another <laughs> line of argument. I find really annoying because how do do you know also like you know I know he has experience now but when he got hired for Jurassic World he wasn't a top male director he was a dude that directed one indie film that people kind of (laughs) liked (laughs)
0: That people kind of liked yeah also like try telling that to Catherine Bigelow dude and like see what she says like she would just like slide on her sunglasses (laughs) like walk away explosion behind her like no thanks I do wonder. directed
2: explosion behind her. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I do wonder, though, going back to TV, because I was looking at your notes, Erin, about Ryan Murphy's program. And I know Brian Fuller has also been a big advocate for diversity in front of and behind the scenes. And I kind of wonder if they're just like, they're like the Paul Feigs of TV. I mean, Ryan Murphy, not as good as Paul Feig. Sorry, (laughs) Ryan Murphy. But, I mean, Brian Fuller, definitely. I mean, these are... And we talked about this last time too. I have a feeling we're going to be repeating ourselves often on this podcast. (laughs) It's, it's sad, but kind of great that these men in power, these like TV showrunners and directors are taking the initiative because it is up to them. Like ultimately it is up to them to be an ally and to give women the opportunities at the ground level, like, and put them in, you know, production roles and, you know, put them in front of the camera have them working in you know, VFX departments, I mean everything. Like you it's up to you as the man with your privilege to use that privilege Thank to you. give women opportunities. So Ryan Murphy, it's your responsibility to help us get a woman direct Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I
2: mean like I know um Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar I think all the season 1 directors were female or something and she's not privileged in terms of gender or race but she is privileged in that she is a established acclaimed well-known female director. So I was really so I really liked like it made me feel really happy when I saw that she was kind of using her clout to help and pull up other younger or less experienced female directors and give them the experience that they are going to need to eventually direct something like Star Wars.
1: Totally. I feel like Ava DuVernay is, like, the warrior right now that, like, couldn't make this difference, hopefully. That's what I want yeah. to say, at least. Yeah. It's totally,
2: like, if
0: anyone deserves a Barbie, it's her. And I'm so glad that they made a Barbie of Ava DuVernay. Like, <laughs> it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be, like, dentist or, like, veterinarian? I want to be Ava DuVernay. Okay.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think we all want to be Ava DuVernay when we grow up, and we're all technically grown up, so. Yeah. <laughs> still time.
1: Exactly. I want to go back real quick to to what you mentioned before, Angie, about this stupid idea that women don't want to direct blockbusters. because um, Kate Herbland at IndieWire recently did a piece that I thought was really great where she reached out to a whole bunch of female filmmakers and asked them. and they all said, "Yes, we do want to do it. And <laughs> I think there was actually one person that said they didn't. Um, but still, it, it, I think it was, it was really cool to like see real female filmmakers actually say that like, yes, I am interested, and I do want to do this and then express, some of their hesitancies towards why they maybe wouldn't or what they would consider. And while reading the piece, I found that a lot of their hesitancies were things that have nothing to do with gender, really. I mean, I think it was Lynn Shelton, um, I'm not entirely sure, I have to double check, who said um, like her biggest concern was losing creative control on a project, which is something that I'm sure any male director would feel the same about. So. It's just the conversation, like, it can work both ways, that, you know, they could just be as hesitant to sign up for something as Colin Trevorrow or, you know, John Watts would be, um, but this assumption that they're just straight up not interested because I don't even know what the because is, um, is just absurd, so... Maybe, maybe studios should ask them first. Maybe Kathleen Kennedy also like
2: should... To, yeah, and I'd also like to call BS on that argument because it's like, oh, really? No female directors want to direct a Star Wars or Marvel-type movie? Have you asked all of them? Because like, there are also male directors who have no interest in that kind of thing. Right. But we never say, like, well, you know, they asked a couple guy directors and they said no, so I guess that's the end of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they why they don't want to hire women. I just... I also kind of wonder, I mean, it's something I think about a lot is is this experience for women and how it differs from men, because we hear often, uh, like, Michelle McLaren parting ways with Wonder Woman or Patty Jenkins leaving uh, Thor The Dark World. We almost had a woman direct a non-female-oriented Marvel movie once upon a time, and it's always that, like, creative differences, creative differences, and then you start hearing things like, oh, she was difficult, and it's like, mm. are men just more inclined to say yes because, having that job, having directed a Jurassic Park movie or a Star Wars or whatever, is more important to them, you know, even if they get railroaded. Like, they can still say, I directed this. Like, is it a pride thing? And is it, like, a difference in what pride is to men and women? That women won't compromise their creativity, but men will because ultimately they get to claim that they did something huge.
2: I thought you were going to go in a different direction with that when you started, because one of the things that... That came to mind for me when you started talking about that is also just the way that you know it's not unique to the film industry but women who are in charge in a lot of ways have a rougher time than men like you know a woman who tells people what to do and is uncompromising and then like puts her foot down and says no you're doing as i tell you to do like that that you know then she becomes bossy then she bec- you know she gets called all sorts of names when a male director does it he's or a male boss he's a visionary so i mean i wonder if it, i wonder if that has something to do with it too
0: Like, can you imagine a woman acting like David Fincher does and demanding, like, a hundred takes out of somebody? Like, the (laughs) expletives in articles about that woman would be insane. But David Fincher does it. And it's like, oh, my God, he's a genius. And I think he is a genius. But, like, I'd love to see a woman be able to get away with that. But, like, we can't. Like, we, I mean, even working in this career field... There have been times where like I've kept my mouth shut about things because I didn't want to be perceived as difficult. And I've said yes to a lot of things that I never wanted to do because I just wanted opportunities and I just wanted to be successful. And I was scared that people would be like, oh, she's difficult or like, uh, you know, she's not a good worker. And for a woman in charge of like a big blockbuster, like $100 million, $200 million budget film, like I can't imagine how much more exacerbated that
1: is. I feel like that's just across any industry, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, the first example that I thought of, it's not film, but in the music industry, I was just thinking about how much Nicki Minaj has talked about how she's treated so differently on set when she, or not on set, but when she's, you know, on tour or in the studio um, for acting more, you know, like, aggressive or, you know, domineering or however it is because she's more of, like, a boss in her role versus, like, a male rapper on stage. And I just think it's, yeah, I think you see it anywhere where women are, Expected to. Um, I lost my train of thought thinking about Nikki <laughs> <laughs> No,
2: but I, yeah, I think it's, I, I think, you know, but Aaron, to pick up what you were saying, it's just, yeah, I think it's in any industry. It Like women, it, it's just in society, really. It's harder to be a woman who takes charge and not have people kind of get all grumbly about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, do you guys think that Star Wars is going to hire a female director anytime soon?
1: I think so. I just don't know how soon. You know
2: They already have their films lined up for like several years. Mm-hmm. So even if they do, it would have to be like, in you know, it would be a while from now.
1: I feel like I think they would trust. I feel like they would more likely go with a female director for a spinoff before. I was just spin-off. about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I think it's all going to depend, not all of it, but I think some of it m- might depend on how well Rogue One does. Whether or not, mm-hmm. obviously they keep doing spinoffs, but giving, I mean, this has been such a, a different type of formula that they followed for this film compared to the star wars movies so to the main you know episodes so i'm curious if, if this does super well maybe they'll be a little more inclined to take that risk
0: i wouldn't be surprised if they stuck like josh trink in a wig and a dress and they were like no. this is josephine this director <laughs> we just like plucked from obscurity and she's gonna direct this star wars movie oh my god no i well, mean
2: but, like, to, <laughs> since you bring up Josh Trank, that's another thing where, like, when, if a woman director, like, you, wait, going way back to the beginning of the podcast, Britt, you were talking about how, you know, the pressure that would be on a female director and what would happen if she actually did screw it up. And, you know, women don't have as many chances, so I think that maybe that's another reason why it's been it's been hard to get a woman hired for this kind of movie is that women don't really have the are not really afforded the same opportunities to screw up as men are like josh tranks fantastic four just crash and burn so hard and recently i wrote up a story about how he has another new job it's not at like a star wars level but still like he he bounced back he's a guy um and i don't but then i imagine like what would happen if that had happened to josephine trank and it's just (laughs) like yeah that would not have been pretty
0: No. And I actually, I feel bad. And I I have written about this because I feel bad. I feel bad for Josh Trank. And I, to a degree, feel bad for Colin Trevorrow because, like, I don't think Jurassic World's all that bad. I, I think I like it more than some other people do. But I mean, regardless, I think we can all agree that it's not a great movie. And I can't blame him entirely for it. And I can't blame Josh Trank really entirely for Fantastic Four, especially knowing as much as we do now about what went on behind the scenes there. And you can see the seams in that movie where it's like, well, this was clearly a different movie. And then somewhere in the second act, because it doesn't have a third act, it becomes (laughs) uh, somebody else's movie that was not his. And so, I mean, I think knowing as much as we do about how things work, it's like I have a hard time, you know, blaming them too much, but that's me and that's us and uh i think that executives at other studios if they were to watch a josephine shrink directed fantastic four they're not going to be looking at the ins and outs of how that movie got made and the the studio notes that were involved uh they're going to be looking at the bottom line which is that a woman directed this movie and it sucked
2: yeah well with josh trank is also kind of he got a reputation for being extremely difficult which male directors as you've guys have pointed out get away with a lot but he was the guy that had directed chronicle he wasn't like david fincher nobody was like oh my god you're a genius and we're gonna listen to whatever you say
0: right yeah and i wonder how much of that is again like goes back to my theorizing of how many men are just okay with being railroaded and is he maybe the exception where he was like i'm not gonna say yes to everything you want
2: that's it no matter
0: how small i am Yeah. (laughs) yeah i mean Um, I mean, because we're talking about creative differences, those are always like the director has a vision and the studio has another vision and that's what that is. And maybe that's it. I mean, because how many women get pushed off of or quit projects because of creative differences and how many times does that happen with men? Not nearly as often.
2: This has been a depressing podcast, guys. (laughs) I'm
0: so sorry. I've tried to make (laughs) some jokes.
1: (laughs) No, it's (laughs) okay. How do we end on a good note? Should we talk about like our ideal female director of a star Wars movie or something.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I was looking at names of like female directors earlier and I swear I was like coming up with like the weirdest ideas because if you just look at female directors, just like Google it and you get like the fun little slideshow and it's like so many accomplished female directors who are known for like very like art house type things. Mm -hmm. Like um, imagine if you will, an Andrea Arnold star Wars.
2: (laughs) That's actually a name. So Peter, you know, uh, yeah. The editor slash film was like talking about how he wanted to see someone direct Bond. And then that was a name that, or like Star Wars, like that kind of movie. And, and Andrea Arnold is actually a name that came up a lot. I think people really like her work and would be curious to see what she would do. I know I would be. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, imagine Anna Lily Armourpour directing like a blockbuster. I don't know what it would it would look like, but it would look amazing, I feel like. you know She's the one that directed A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and The Bad Batch and The Bad Batch not a very good movie no but it's it terrible looks, but it looks so cool and it looks like i'm like i would love to see someone kind of take that demented creativity and put it toward you know a, a superhero movie or a star wars type blockbuster or something like that like i would be i'm dying to see what that would look like i
0: think i mean the bad batch somebody somebody i know very well described it perfectly as a vice propaganda film <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what it is. But you're right. I mean, there are some really good visual things in there. She does know how to direct a movie. So it's hard for me to argue with the fact that like, I would like to see her handed more money because for better or worse, it'll be interesting no matter what it is. Who was I thinking of the other day? Oh, Claire Denis. Like, why don't we get Claire oh, Denis yeah. in a Star Wars film? All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'd love to see direct a big movie? Deborah Granick, the one that did uh, *Winter's Bone*. Oh, yeah. Like that movie was so that that movie was so well directed. It was so incredible. It was really you know powerful and well emotional and emotional and really well shot and everything. And you know, imagine her doing like a kind of a grittier take on Star Wars or like a grittier superhero movie or something like that. Like I think that would be amazing.
0: You know who? And I think that this is a really perfect example of somebody that could totally do it. Uh, Kelly Fremont Craig, who did The Edge Mm. of Seventeen. Because that's, like, a really... It's a movie with, like, wide, multi-generational appeal. It's a fun movie. It's a poignant movie. I mean, it ticks off so many boxes. It's really well-made. It was her first time directing, like, and it looks great. And everyone in it is so charming. And her script is so wonderful. I mean, like, why not give her? Like, there's an emerging director who has directed a mid-budget studio film and has experience, And could totally do it. Like, why not?
1: I'm going to toss in Lynn Ramsey because I'm obsessed with we need to talk about Kevin. And I just really want more movies from her period. But yeah, like a Star Wars movie would be cool too. Another name
2: I saw floated around a lot is uh, Suzanne Beer because she just did The Night Manager on TV with Tom Hiddleston. Mm. And I think that she would, I I feel, I didn't actually watch it, but I've heard a lot of it. So I'm just going off of what other people have said. But I know that a lot of people have said that she would be a good fit for something like James Bond.
1: That could
0: be cool. Or Sarah Polly.
1: Yes. Totally.
0: Uh, what was it? Like, Universal has a competing live-action Little Mermaid movie. And oh, right. isn't that uh, is thats
1: Rebecca Thomas still directing it? Yes. That or is that – okay. Yes. I was wondering if she was yes. still doing that.
0: See, that was the – yeah, that was the point I was about to make. It's like, originally it was Sofia Coppola, and now it's Rebecca Thomas. Either way, it's a woman, but – they took someone whose experience is in indie films and put them on a live action blockbuster movie that's like a remake of a classic story that's going to make a crap load of money. Like, how can they do it? Like, they did it. Come on. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> it's not that hard. I also just watched The Fits last night and just want to say Anna Rose Homer is amazing. And I want to see yeah. her do some kind of big budgety something. Would yeah. definitely watch.
2: Or um, have you guys seen Beyond the Lights by Gina Prince-Bythewood? I think that's how you say it yeah, yeah, beyond the lights is great, yeah. imagine her doing something like this. Ugh. See Lucasfilm.
1: We just gave you a huge list. I know. we did your job for you. <laughs> no excuses.
0: I'm gonna like have this podcast like recorded onto a tape and I'm gonna <laughs> send it or like a CD or something. I'm gonna send it straight to Kathleen Kennedy. like confidential <laughs> to Kathleen Kennedy. Please listen immediately. yeah. and then she can be mad and she can call Aaron and. <laughs> yell some more
1: <laughs> no no more
2: <laughs> uh i will be first in line when star wars finally hires a female
1: director to buy tickets
0: yeah same me totally. too
1: hopefully soon hopefully soon
0: yeah. um erin where can people find you on twitter
1: you can find me at cinemabyte b-i-t-e
0: and angie where can people find you
1: um you can find
2: me at a-j-h-a-n that's a-j-han and
1: you
0: can find me at miss Britt hayes
1: Thanks for listening. For more of the latest movie and TV news, head to ScreenCrush.com. Follow us on Twitter at Screen Crush News, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at the username Screen Crush.